Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Hallelujah. I just feel like this is a word from the Lord, and it's so deep we're going to have to open up our Bibles and follow along with it. And I want to share this with you personally. You may think this is uh, whatever. It doesn't matter what we think. I, what I'm experiencing this morning is the strongest anointing Sunday morning I've ever experienced in 15, 20 years. Now, when I was in worship on Tuesday morning about two or three years ago in France, like this, the hand of the Lord came upon me and gave me the message of counterterrorism. And some of you have heard that. Hallelujah. The young Jewish believer that came a couple nights ago, he was blown away by the message. And the message in full is on our website at flashfloods.com. Listen to it. I'm serious, folks, open up your Bible. It's a message from heaven, and it has nothing to do with me. Now, when during worship here, I felt the hand of the Lord come on me again and gave me the continuation of that message but more having to deal not with so much with terrorism, but where we're going before the tribulation comes. So let's go to Second Kings and chapter 19. This is at the last end of Isaiah's prophetic ministry. The last king he prophesied to was Hezekiah. And to give you a running discourse, the year that Uzziah died... Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Hallelujah. And then at, during that reign of that king of Judah, his name was Jotham, or Jotham in English, which means the Lord is blameless or holy. So it was under that protocol of a king whose name meant what he did, the Lord is blameless or holy, that the glory of God began to rush in. However, his son who came up next, and that's why I don't like the monarchy or, or protocol of uh, prodigy, is because God doesn't go by prodigy. He goes by on his anointing and his giftings falling sovereignly on people. So just because Brother Yahoo, Senior Yahoo, is king and in charge of the ministry doesn't mean, you know, little Yahoo is supposed to be in charge of it next, Junior. And so we see a dismantling of God's anointings when their sons take over. And the sons were not supposed to take over. It's supposed to be somebody totally different. God did not bless the kingship. The people wanted a monarchy. Monarchies operate who succeeds the monarchy? The flesh and blood of that ruler. And so that's why we see the next king that came up was Ahaz. And he wanted to seize everything for himself, and he closed the doors of worship. He closed down the doors of worship. Listen, folks, he closed down the portal of heaven. And that's what seeker-sensitive churches are. That's what churches are that do not allow worship like we're in this morning. They close down the entry point of heaven into God's people and into that region and community. And that's where the battle in the gate is right now. There's battle in the gate in terms of the spirit of justice, um, 
you know, against morality, for morality and against all these things in our culture, folks. But the true battle is in the gate of worship. Because when we worship, heaven opens up mysteriously and pours down and through God's people. Are you listening to me? Come on, hallelujah. And so the battle in the gate with the spirit of justice is a battle to keep the spontaneous worship going. And the soul of man, the self-assertiveness of the human mind comes into meetings like this and they they get excited that the presence of God is moving and they want to build a recreation park around the river and dam up the river and build a lake, you know what I'm saying? Then charge people an entrance fee. And God is in the damn blowing up business. Forget the pun there, okay? <laughs> Let the river flow. This is the entry point. And this is the battle we have to do. We have to battle. Satan will try to discourage you financially or through people or through circumstances. But you know the anointing is here. There is not a sound of a death rattle in the voice of this congregation. There is a sound of glory here. And I'd rather have just a few of us, okay, with this open heaven experience than to be in a church of thousands of people singing Amazing Grace and can't wait till I'm bored out of my gourd, can't wait to get out of that place. And so we see Ahaz shut down the spontaneous worship and terrorism came against Israel. Now, the next king that came up was Hezekiah, and let's look about him real quick. Hezekiah, the first thing he did in the first month of his reign, he opened back up the doors of worship. Hallelujah. And when that happened, the people got so excited, they started rushing in and gave him a four-month heave offering. They started celebrating Passover and the festivals again. There was great joy. However, in chapter 18, we see that the enemy counterattacked. He sent Sennacherib. You know, the bin Laden of that day, a terrorist, to come in and terrorize God's people. And Hezekiah cried out to God, humbled himself, and God sent one angel and took out over 180,000 troops in one night. Hallelujah. And chapter 19 and verse 1, we see this is the scenario. And when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes talking about this invasion that was coming from Sennacherib of Syria. Covered himself with sackcloth and entered the house of the Lord. Then he said, Elohim, who was over the household of Shebna, the scribe and the elders of the priest, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, rebuke, and rejection, for children have come to birth, and there's no strength to deliver. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabashek, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the remnant that is left. Now, you need to underline that scripture because this is the entire theme of the Bible. There is always a remnant. No matter what is happening in Sunday churchianity around North America today, there is a remnant. And God wants us to start lifting up a prayer and intercession for the remnant to be strengthened. There is a remnant in this area of Ontario. Okay? And God answers the prayer of the remnant. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. 
And verse 6, and Isaiah said to them, thus you shall say to your master, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, which the servants of king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I'll make him fall with a sword in his own land. And that's what happened. And so you can read later, if you like, about all these wonderful things that happened. Verse 34, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, it's my servant David's sake. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of Assyria. And when the men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. Heard of that place before? Now listen, folks, that's why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He utterly hated the Assyrians at Nineveh. Why? Because the Assyrians, when they would come in to conquer a people, they were the most brutal and most feared, more than Nebuchadnezzar later was. They were brutal. They were ruthless. They were savage. The way they dismembered people and tortured people. And, that, and they were so, so barbaric. That's why Jonah did not want to go and preach to them. Because he knew the history of Sennacherib. The Bible's starting to come together better now? Okay. And it came about, verse 37, he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his god. The Adramelech and Shazar killed him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Arat. And Asherod, his son, became king in his place. So there was a victory there against God's enemies. Hallelujah. And so chapter 20, Hezekiah becomes ill. And in verse 9, And Isaiah said, This shall be a sign to you from the Lord. The Lord will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? And Hezekiah answered, It is easy for the shadow to decline ten steps. No, let the shadow turn backward ten steps. And Isaiah the prophet cried to the Lord, and he brought the shadow on the stairway back ten steps by which it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Ahaz. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's powerful, folks. <laughs> you know what it takes in a solar system to do that? Beyond our brains. But the problem was, in verse 12, that Babylon sent a representative, and Hezekiah showed him all his treasures. Now, we need to be careful, because the very place on the steps of Ahaz is the steps that led to the temple treasuries. And where you have your miracle and you want to broadcast it and say, praise God, the earth went back, you know, whatever, the sundial went back. We cannot share with people those supernatural events always. Because in our excitement to show what God has done, we could be showing our treasures to the king of Babylon. Do not throw what is holy before dogs. Do not give your pearls before swine. And so... Chapter 21 kicks in. And this king who came next was Manasseh, who was the most wicked king in the history of Judah. He burned his sons in fire. He set up idols all around the place. He was wicked. Wicked. And in chapter 22, 
Josiah became king. And let's begin now with that background. Let's go and look at Josiah and what it means for us today. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adadiah, Bosat. And he did right, and I just wish I had the Hebrew in front of me, I'd pronounce it better. These transliterations sometimes don't make sense. And he did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his fathers, David, nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. So he set his face like flint. Now it came about in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe of the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, Hilkiah, excuse me, that he may count the money brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. And let them deliver it into the hand of the workmen, who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who are in the house of the Lord to repair the damages of the house. So the carpenters and the builders and the masons and and for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Only no accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered into their hands, for they deal faithfully. That is a sign of wonder to have subcontractors that deal faithfully. <laughs> then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shephon the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave it the book to Shephon who read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought back the word of the king and said, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Moreover, Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. And it came about when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Must understand, brothers and sisters, all the revival and the reforms that are under Hezekiah and the wickedness in Manasseh, they still do not have the book of the law that Moses gave them. And there is a lot of worship, there is a lot of services going on in Christendom that may have some type of reform to it, but they have no true word from God. And when we have faithful workers in the house of God, contractors that are faithful, come on, that there's no need to keep an accounting of the money, that people want to rebuild the house of the Lord, we're going to find a fresh word from heaven that will change your entire civilization. Hallelujah. And verse 12 the king commanded Hilkiah, the priest, Achicham, the son of Shaphan, Achbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Esaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, and all the people and all, and all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us, because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book to do according to all that is written in it. So Hilkiah, the priest, Achicham, went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her. 
And she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I bring evil on this place. I do not hear that being preached in much, most prophetic conferences right now. I bring evil on this place and on its inhabitants, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods. They have, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore my wrath burns against this place and should not be quenched. But to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel regarding the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender... And you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they shall become a desolation and a curse. And you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. The reason we do not see more prophetic activity like this and revival is because when the word of God is, is, is read, most people sit around and fall asleep in church instead of tearing their clothes. Most Christians don't even bring Bibles to church. Until we have a desperation for the words of the Lord, we're wasting our time. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Neither shall your eyes see all the evil which I'll bring in this place. So they brought back the word of the king. So Josiah saw through the words of the law that God was bringing judgment on Jerusalem because of the idolatry, he cried out. And because he cried out, God postponed briefly the judgment that was to come. Then the king, chapter 23, verse 1, sent, and they gathered to him all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great, and he read in their hearing all the words of the covenant which they found in the house of the Lord. Folks, that's quite a long meeting, okay? <laughs> and the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandment and his testimonies, his statutes with all his heart and soul, to carry out the words of the covenant which were written in the book, and all the people entered into covenant. So the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal. Exactly, that stuff be there, folks. There was so much garbage in the house of God today. There was so much garbage in pastor's house when I go visit them. You know, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. My people will call my name, will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face, okay? But we're not doing the third part. Turn from our wicked ways. Oh, and they get upset when I start meddling with their wicked ways. Oh, yeah, we want to repent. We want to humble ourselves. We want to have reconciliation meetings, okay? But what about turning from our wicked ways? Then the king, verse 6, carried out the temple, the vessels that were made for Baal, for Ashtaroth, and all the hosts of heaven, and he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Oh, praise God. Come on, folks. 
he not just burned it, he took the ashes and got it as far as he way as he could from Jerusalem. And he did away with the idolatrous priests whom the king of Judah had appointed to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and the surrounding area of Jerusalem. Also those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, the constellations, and to all the hosts of heaven. And he brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord outside Jerusalem to the brook of Kidron and burned it at the brook of Kidron and ground it to dust and threw its dust on the graves of the common people. And he also broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes, which were in the house of the Lord, where the women were weaving hangings for the Ashtaroth. Then he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. He broke down the high places of the gates, which were at the entrance of the gates of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on one's left of the city gate. Nevertheless, the priests of the high place did not go up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brothers. He also defiled Tobiath, which is the valley of the sons of Hinnon, that no man might make his son or daughter pass through the fire for Molech. He did away with the horses which the kings of Judah had given to the sun at the entrance of the house of the Lord, by the changers of Nathan Melech, the official, which was in the precincts, and he burned the chariots of the, of the sun with fire. And the altars which were on the roof, the upper chambers of Ahaz, the king of Judah, had made. The altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord, the king broke down and he smashed them there. He threw their dust in the brook of Kidron. I like this guy. I like to be a part of this. And the high place which were before Jerusalem, which were on the right on the mountain of the destruction, which Solomon the king of Israel had built for Asherah, the abominations of the Sidions, the Chumosh, the abominations of Moab, and for Milcom, the abominations of the son of Ammon, the king defiled. He said, man, these people sound like they're pagans. And he broke in pieces the sacred pillars that cut down the Asherim and filled their places with human bones. Furthermore, the altar which is at Bethel, and the high place with Jeroboam, the son of Nemot, who made for Israel sin, he made even the altar and the high place he broke down. Then he demolished its stones, ground them to dust, and burned the Ashtaroth. Now when Josiah turned, he saw the graves that were there on the mountain, and he sent and took the bones from the graves and burned them on the altar and defiled it, according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these things. Then he said, What is this monument that I see. And the men of the city told him, It is a grave of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things which you have done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, Let him alone. Let no one disturb his bones. So they left his bones undisturbed with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. Brothers and sisters, even though you may be prophetic and you come and pronounce something and people do not receive it, there will be others like Josiah that will come up and will leave you undisturbed. Hallelujah. We'll honor what you've done, even if it's two generations later. Hallelujah. If Jesus tarries and we go on to be with the Lord, next generation will come and say, there was a man of God, man and woman of God here. And they had the most incredible, spontaneous worship and praise to God. And they opened up the gates for us, and we're entering into their labors. Oh! Lord. Hallelujah. Are you getting blessed by reading the Word today? 
And verse 19, and Josiah also removed, 19, all the houses of the high place which were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made, made provoking the Lord, which he did to them, which he had done in Bethel. And the, all the priests of the high places who were there, he slaughtered on the altars and burned human bones on them. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Now he killed more than Elijah did. I like this guy. Verse 21, then the king commanded all the people saying, celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as is written in the book of the covenant. Surely such a Passover had not been celebrated from the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. That's a long time. They didn't even celebrate what was commanded, the Passover. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was observed to the Lord in Jerusalem. Moreover, Josiah removed the Medians and the Spiritists. I like this part. I read everything for this part right here. Moreover, Josiah removed the Medians and the Spiritists and the Teraphim and the idols and all the abominations. Now, verse 24 is he consumed them. He burned the witches in fire. We're seeing that he might confirm the words of the law which were written in the book of Hilkiah, the priest found in the house of the Lord. And before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, hallelujah, with all of his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. However, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath from which his anger burned against Judah because of all the provocations which his father, Manasseh, had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also from my sight as I have removed Israel. And I will cast off Jerusalem, this city which I have chosen, and the temple which I said my name shall be there. Brothers and sisters, as I felt the hand of the Lord come upon me during worship, and I felt no matter what type of revival we have and how much we cry out like Josiah, Canada and America are entering the same judgment and we can't turn it back. Our civilization... that has accepted the male cult of prostitutes in the very house of God. It's too late. Don't listen to these prophets, the feel-good prophets that prophesy this awakening is going to come to Canada. Folks, the only thing that's going to be awakened is the remnant. And people that are predestined to be saved are going to get born again. But for the most part, this country has gone to the dogs, including America. That's what the Lord's telling me. Hey, it, it has to happen eventually in some generation for Jesus to return. Now, no matter how much we love Canada and America, okay, you know, people cried out about Israel. People were calling us saying, blow the shofar against the disengagement from Gaza. And God told me not to. Because there is no promise Israel is the most secular, ungodly nation. Their lead singer who won the European award is a transvestite. 
They want the international world gay march in Jerusalem. Most Israelis are like Manasseh. Most Israelis are totally in the occult, totally unsaved. And there, the Bible says, if, God says, if you do not obey me, I will uproot you from this land. And that's what we see happening right now in Israel. So why should I blow the shofar against God? <laughs> Them being uprooted, okay, this disengagement, it's just another sign of the curse. That they have served other gods and their enemies are eating away at them. They need revival. And forget about Gaza. God will give them to the river Egypt to the Euphrates. That's the territory he's shown Abraham and what Solomon and David had. Hallelujah. And this is what God spoke to me. The Anglican Church, Presbyterian, whatever, have accepted the male cult of prostitutes. Our society accepts it. It's it, folks. It was just Lot and his family, the remnant that were saved. The rest of it was burned. And I feel this in my spirit. Even though we may have a Josiah revival, even though we may have a powerful move of God, it is not going to turn the destiny of Canada back to a heaven utopia experience. There is too many in this plumb line that runs from the U.S. border right through here, right through London, right through, you know, uh, Hamilton, right through Toronto, right through all the way up to Montreal and Quebec City. That area of Canada is the most sinful area. And the next following it would be Vancouver. It's Manitoba and Saskatchewan and, and Alberta that have the most churches that are on fire for God, the most Christians, Okay. Because they had some type, you know, had a lot of Russians, you know, Mennonites, you know, and Anabaptists and whatever settled out there, farmers, whatever, that's fine. But I'm saying to you, I saw a plumb line go through Canada. And I want to run this plumb line and wake up the remnant. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm glad I came to church today. Okay, now go with me to Second Chronicles, and let's read another angle of the same story in the Chronicles. And we're going to see something here, why there's such worship breaking out here. Hallelujah. And let's look at chapter 34 of Second Chronicles. Folks, you know, there's going to be great, why, you go to prophetic conferences or read different things and you hear two types of prophetic words. You hear great glory is coming, right? And you're also hearing great darkness, okay? So which is right? They're both right. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes one camp can't reconcile with the other camp, you know? Yeah. I believe this message this morning will help you reconcile it. Yes, there is going to be a Josiah type revival, Okay? There is going to be a remnant, okay? And it's going to be bloody. It's going to be, it's going to be, I like it. 
But it's not going to stop the overall macro plan of God unfolding. And we see in chapter 34 and verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, reigning 31 years in Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David, did not turn aside to the right or the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the God of his father David. In the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem at the high places in the Asherim. Okay? He's 16 years old when he starts it. We need to start looking for these 16-year-olds out there. Okay? And they tore down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and the incense altars, and they were high above them. He chopped them down. Like also the Asherim, the carved images, the molten images, he broke in pieces and ground to powder and scattered it on the graves of those who sacrificed to them. And he burned the bones of the priests on the altars and purged Judah and Jerusalem. And the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, even as far as Naphtali and their surrounding ruins, he also tore down the altars and beat the Asherim. I like this traveling ministry. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he carved images into powder and chopped down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. You say, where is this in the New Testament? Remember in Ephesus they had a great revival and they brought all their magical arts and burned them. We need to start telling people when they get saved and get fired up, start bringing their videos and their DVDs and start grounding them to powder. We need it. Listen, somebody, needs, somebody out here that has the ability to find that, we need to find a grind, or grinder, okay? Because we got sound systems in church, we got music, okay? We got overheads. You know what I'm saying? We got, you know, tape ministry. We got a water baptismal, okay? What about a grinder? <laughs> I'm serious about this. We got to tell the people, get all your ungodly stuff and grind it up. Yes. Somebody help me find a grinder. If you believe this type of revival is coming, this could be a new business for somebody here. Come on. Start marketing grinders for churches. Come on, you go to church catalogs, you find chairs, padded chairs, lumbar support, okay? All these things for the churches. You know, tape ministry, DVD, everything, okay? Everything you can think of. You know, wooden pews, you know, wooden podiums, clear podiums, you know, acrylic, blah, 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 whatever, okay? What about grinders? Come on, I just, somebody needs to run with this. I'm not called to do it. Somebody else can make a lot of money for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. By getting some grinders. And you know who likes doing it the most? The kids. They love to see things grinded up. In verse 8, in the 18th year of his reign, okay, when he had purged the land of the house of the Lord, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Manasseh, the official of the city, and Joab, the son of Joaz, to record the repair of the house of his God. And they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, and delivered the money that was brought into the house of God 
which the Levites, the doorkeepers, had collected. Now stop right there. Chap, this word doorkeeper literally in Hebrew means the guardians of the threshold. Write it down. That's the title of this message today. Guardians of the threshold. Hallelujah. And what I saw in the spirit is that we are guardians of the threshold. And the guardians of the threshold are to take God's money and use it for the glory of God, for His temple. They're also to cause the doors to be opened for the people to come into the glory of God and not have programs and other things which have become the the bales and the ashtaroth and... You say, why is this so significant? Because there was another prophet at this same time that many people don't connect with, okay, that prophesied of the priest doing this at the threshold, but they did something wrong and judgment was coming on them. They were not guardians of the threshold. They actually jumped over the threshold, which was an occultic practice. And that's what happens on, with brides today. When the groom is carrying his bride, they jump over the threshold. They don't know why they do it, but it dates back to the time of the occultic practices of the pagans around, around Israel. Remember when they set the ark in, in, the, in, the, uh, in uh, uh, Dagon, the temple of Dagon? It kept on falling over at the threshold. Remember that? Because they worshiped the threshold. Now, so keep your finger here. Let's go to Zephaniah. And Zephaniah is a prophet during this time of Josiah's revival. And this little book, Zephaniah, okay, it's right before the Zechariah and Haggai. Zephaniah, we're going to read the whole book. It's only three chapters. Not like it's going to, you know, wear you out, Okay. Now you you understand the prophetic word that came in such power through Zephaniah came during the time of Josiah's revival. And this is the word God gave me today. He told me that the message of Zephaniah, we need to start preaching to our culture. There is a revival of the remnant with Josiah, but it did not stop Nebuchadnezzar from coming later and destroying the city. And though there is a revival of the remnant, hallelujah, in this land, it's not going to stop what God has already planned for judgment for Canada and America because their cup of iniquity has already been filled over. And these are the morning star passages. The Bible says this is what gives us light in this dark hour. Second Peter says it's the scriptures of the prophets. And this is a minor prophet that's been hidden between you know, two pages of, of your Bible and you rarely ever read it. Now you understand the prophet. Let's go into it, okay? Verse 1 of chapter 1. The word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah... Son of Ammon, king of Judah. 
Now listen, this is what the word of the Lord is during Josiah. You think, Josiah, what a great revival. This is awesome. The prince of the Lord, he restored, he found the book of the law. We got Passover again. It's awesome what's happening. He's tearing up all the gods, all the false priests, all the witches are being killed. This is awesome. Yet the word comes in the very midst of it. I will completely remove all things from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will remove man and beast. I will remove the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and the ruins along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah, against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the names of the idolatrous priests along with the priests, those who bow down on the housetop to the host of heaven. And those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear by Milchom. And those who have turned back from following the Lord and those who have not sought the Lord or inquired of Him. Hush. The actual Hebrew is not be quiet or listen. It is hush. Hush. Before the Lord God. The day of the Lord is near, for the Lord has prepared to sacrifice. He has consecrated his guests. Then it will come about on that day that the Lord sacrificed that I'll punish the princes, the king's sons, all who clothe themselves with foreign garments. I'll punish on that day all who leap on the threshold to the Jewish people, they understand that. To us, most people read over it. Today you're loaded, you know. They leap up over the threshold, okay? It was a type of their excitement. And notice it was connected with the marriage. Instead of taking your bride to go have communion and intimacy with her, instead you're carrying her and leaping over the threshold. It's an occultic practice. And Jesus is not coming back for a bride in bed with the world. The whole job of the Levites were not just to get the money for the temple. They were guardians of this threshold. Why were they guardians? Because they had originally put their ears on the threshold. They're here to guard this thing, okay? They're here to guard it, and they don't want people jumping over the threshold. Come on, folks, you catch what I'm saying? We are guardians of a supernatural gate, threshold. Jesus said, I am the door. He who enters through me finds pasture. And the word I heard today is during worship, you guys, all of us together, are guardians of this threshold, hallelujah, of of an open heaven experience to come to God's people. And there's too many Levites out there, leaders, okay, that are leading people into this area and doing, practicing what the nations do, which is hopping over the threshold, which today would be, you know, all the different business and marketing and stuff they bring into the church. Let's keep on reading. I will punish all, on that day all the, who leap over the threshold, and I'll fill the house of their Lord with violence and deceit. Come on. 
The word violence there, I need to look it up. It could be the word Hamas, which is the word for the terrorist organization today in Israel. And on that day, declares the Lord, there will be a sound of a cry from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter. Who lived in the second quarter? Hildua, Hilda the priest, prophetess, remember her? We read about her about 10 minutes ago. That's where she lived. And a loud crash from the hills. <laughs> Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar. For all the people of Canaan will be silenced. All who weigh out silver will be cut off. It will come about and at that time. Come on, folks. This is what God spoke to me about our culture. It will come out at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps. And I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit. Who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good or evil. A tolerant society. Stagnant. The literal Hebrew is thickening on their leaves. The idea of, of, of wine settling down. And it becomes useless. Moreover, their wealth will become plunder. Their houses desolate. Yes, they will build houses but not inhabit them. And plant barrens and not drink them. Near is the great day of the Lord. Near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord. In the, the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day. A day of trouble and distress. A day of destruction and desolation. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of the shofar and the battle cry against the fortified cities and the high towers. This is not us going out against the enemy. It's, the, it's God sending the enemy against us. I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them. Neither their BMWs or their Mercedes, come on, or their vacation houses in Hawaii or Florida. On that day of the Lord's wrath, all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy. What is his jealousy? It's the jealousy for his bride that whenever Judah and Israel whored after other gods, he became jealous. Why? Because they're jumping at the threshold. Rukumata, Reshikimehe. For he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one of all the inhabitants of the earth. Gather yourselves together, O nation without shame, before the decree takes effect. Folks, our, we've lost the consciousness of our, we have no shame in our culture. Look at the garbage they show on entertainment. They would have not done that 25 years ago. They would have been slapped with fines. But slowly by slowly... People are accepting it. Before the decree takes faith, the day passes like chaff. The chaff. Before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you. Before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord. This is where we are right now. Judgment is coming. Nebuchadnezzar is coming in. He's about to destroy Jerusalem according to the words of Jeremiah. There's a, there's a revival under Josiah, but it's too late. 
They, got, they, they were able to get themselves some time, but that's it. It's coming in. It's too late. And those that are left over, he says, seek the Lord, all you humble the earth who have carried out his ordinances. Seek the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. And the Hebrew word for ordinance here is justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you'll be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. For Gaza will be abandoned. Oh. Oh. Told you this is prophetic. Gaza is disengagement is happening because we're living in this time period right now. History is repeating itself. The hand of God's judgment is coming. Just read the book of Revelation. Gaza will be abandoned. Ashkelon will be desolation. It's just north of there. Ashdod, just the next city up, will be driven out at noon, and Ekron will be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherites. The word of the Lord is against you. O Canaan, land of the Philistines, I will destroy you so there'll be no inhabitant. So the coastland, oh, So the seacoast will be pastures and with caves for shepherds and folds for flock. And the coast will be for the remnant of the house of Judah. And they will pasture it. In the house of Ashkelon they will lie down in the evening. For the Lord their God will care for them and restore their fortune. I have heard the tauntings of Moab and the revilings of the sons of Ammon. Okay? Ammon is Jordan, a little west of the... South of there, Moab, a little bit farther south, is Saudi Arabia. Which have taunted my people and become arrogant against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of the armies of heaven, the God of Israel, surely Moab will be like Sodom and the sons of Ammon like Gomorrah. I will, a place possessed by nettles and salt pits, a perpetual desolation. The remnant of my people will plunder them. The remainder of my nation will inherit them. Notice again. There is a remnant. There is a remainder left over. And it's, the, it's those who are the remainder that shall inherit. This will have in return for their pride because they have taunted and become arrogant against the people of the Lord of the armies of heaven. The Lord will be terrifying to them. He will starve all the gods of the earth. Come on, folks. This is powerful. And all the coastlands of the nations will bow down to him, everyone from his own place. You also, O Ethiopians, will be slain by my sword. He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. He will make Nineveh a desolation, parched like the wilderness. And flocks will lie down in her midst. All beasts which range in herds, both the pelican and the hedgehog, will lodge in the tops of her pillars. Birds will sing in the window. Desolation will be on the threshold, for he has laid bare the cedar work. This is the exultant city which dwells securely, who says in her heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. How she has become a desolation, a resting place for beasts. Everyone who passes by her will hiss and wave his hand in contempt. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled. The tyrannical city. She heeded no voice. She accepted no instruction. She did not trust in the Lord. She did not draw near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are wolves at evening. They leave nothing for mourning. Her prophets are reckless, treacherous men. 
Her priests have profaned the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. The Lord is righteous within her. He'll do no injustice. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He does not veil, but the unjust knows no shame. Look at these pastors that watch these certain movies and tell everybody else to watch these movies. And they have no shame. They're the ones that bring violence to the law. They're the ones. Somebody needs to rise up and tell them. And don't be scared to do it. Verse 7. I said, surely you'll revere me. Accept instruction. The word instruction is the Hebrew word Torah or law. Even though they found the book of the law and had a mini revival, they still wouldn't accept the instruction in the Torah. So her dwellings will, will be cut off. According to all that I have appointed, they'll be eager to corrupt all their deeds. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day which when I rise up to the prey. Come on, folks, come on. Stay with me now. Indeed, my decision is to gather the nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out on them my alienation and all my burning anger, for all the earth will be devoured by the fire of my zeal. For then I will give to the people's purified lips <laughs> that all of them may call on the name of the Lord. See, people are crying out, Oh God, show us your glory. Oh, a man of unclean lips, yes, Lord, I know I'm not living right. And so they're waiting for God to come take an altar, okay, a tongue from the altar and touch their lips, and now you're purified. Not anymore. The next purification is the judgment is going to purify, not a coal from his altar. You know why? Because he's taking that and throwing it upon the earth, then Revelation says. It's the judgment coming in the earth that's going to purify his remnant and his church. Come on. Come on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Isaiah recognizes he doesn't have purified lips, right? So an angel goes with the tongue and takes a coal from the altar. You ever read that before, Isaiah 6? Touches his lips, okay? Hallelujah. And he's clean and purified from his sin. But that same basin or wherever that was, okay, that has the coals of the altar, Revelation says God takes that and throws it upon the earth and and Revelation begins. Let's read it. Come on, folks. Come on, go to Revelation. Keep your finger here. I've never preached on these things before. I pray you're getting blessed. I pray that you're seeing the macro. I'm seeing the macro big time. Chapter 8. Ah! Chapter 8, verse 1. He broke the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Okay? That's the same word for silence. Be still, because God's wrath coming. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God with seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him that he might add to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which is before the incense. And the smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, and he filled it with the fire of the altar, which was one of those coals purified Isaiah's lips in Isaiah 6. Instead, 
and threw it to the earth, and there followed peals of thunder, sounds of flashes of lightning, and the seven angels who had the seven shofars prepared to sound themselves, and the judgment began. Verse 9 again, Zephaniah 3. Then they all will give to the people's purified lips. I will give to the people's purified lips that all they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him shoulder to shoulder. How about that for church unity? Hallelujah. From beyond the river of Ethiopia, my worshipers, my dispersed ones will bring my offerings. And, and folks, there's a lot of Ethiopian Jews that live in Israel right now. Hallelujah. And they're coming in on the wings of eagles, which is the airplanes. And that day you will feel no shame because of all your deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proud, exulting ones, and you will never again be haughty on my holy mountain. Come on, come on, folks. This is the remnant. Everything we said is for this moment. Keep the switch of faith turned on. But I'll leave you among a humble and lowly people, and they'll take refuge in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong. Tell no lies, nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths, for they shall feed and lie down with no one to make them tremble. Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Now you wonder why I go like this all the time. Ah! It's because it's the Hebrew word rina. Write this down. Where it says shout for joy, does your translation say sing? Verse 14, what does it say? Shout. In. shout. shout, for joy, shout in okay. It's the same, it's, a, it's the Hebrew word rina, okay. And it's the name of our third daughter. Hallelujah. Her name is Ronit Joy. It means ear-ringing cries of singing and shouting. It's actually a scream. It's used of birds in the book of Job when they scream. The piercing cry. It has to pierce your ear to be scriptural. So there is a piercing war cry and jubilation inside the remnant that are humble and lowly that God's preserving in this time of judgment. And if you don't have this shout inside of you, it's because you're in sin. Because when you're excited for Jesus, hallelujah, the water boils on the kettle and the kettle will start whistling, okay? Yes. <laughs> it's the highest praises. And we're going to see in just a moment that God himself screams like this. Let's go on. Ah, shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Why should we rejoice? Judgment's coming. Oh, the shopping mall's going to be destroyed. I can't get my, I can't, you know, Liliana can't do my nails anymore. But it's gonna be, oh, oh, oh. In the midst of judgment, we rejoice. The Lord has taken away his judgments against you. Not the whole city, not the whole nation, just the remnant. Those who don't jump over the threshold. Those who are the guardians of the threshold. (laughs) He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel is in your midst. You'll fear disaster no more. In that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, do not be afraid, O Zion. 
Do not let your hands fall in. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. Literally, it's an ar- a warrior who saves. He will exult over you with sadness. No, with joy. He'll be quiet in his love. He'll rejoice over you with what? Okay, the word singing there. Israel's psaltery was not singing like we sing here, okay? It was hooping and hollering and screaming and shouting. It's the word rena, okay? So I always wondered, could it be this type of, hallelujah, is music to God's ears? But to us, it's screaming, but to God, it could be singing. Because creation, the waves, they hit, hallelujah, the shoreline. You know, the trees clap their hands, you know? And our high, what, do ha, what do people do when they're watching a football game and their team scores? Yeah. Two things. They scream and their hands go up. Yes. Yes. And, they, and they jump off the couch. <laughs> so listen, God does that over us. Amen. Come on, look, look, at, look, at, look at the two extremes here. He, will, he exults over you with joy. The first is he'll be quiet in his love, okay? The New Jewish Publication Society should write this down. There's a new Jewish translation after the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they translate this, he will soothe you in his love. You should be advertising this and compete with next door the spa, mind and body spa over there, okay? Because we have the true soothing here, hallelujah. They just have a bunch of hot stones and sweetest massage to throw in your outward temple, Okay? Oh, he will soothe you in his love. And when you don't understand what's happening, get in the quiet secret place and let him soothe you. He'll renew you in that place. And then the next extreme, it says, he will rejoice over you with ringing cries of joy. You hear God scream? What's going to happen, Thessalonians, in the last days, the shofar of God's going to blast, and the shout, the scream of the archangel and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Hallelujah. So in the midst of all these things happening on the earth, we have this eye, the eye of the hurricane where it's calm. Hallelujah. And we're protected in this secret place of his utter stillness and his screaming power of his might. Hallelujah. And he will gather, verse 18, those who grieve about the appointed feast. They come to you from Zion. The reproach of exile is a burden on them. Hallelujah. You're going to start meeting people that can't wait to celebrate Passover with you. And the Feast of Tabernacles. And understand Jesus is the fulfillment. But also that feast in heaven. Hallelujah. The marriage table. Glory to God. I want to hang out with those that are waiting for that supper and not satisfied by the junk food of this world. Behold, I'm going to deal at that time with all of your oppressors. I'll save the lame, gather the outcasts. I'll turn their shame into, into praise and renown and all thereof. And that time I'll bring you, and even at that time I'll gather together. Indeed, I will give you renown and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Selah. What am I saying today? I already said everything. You're going to have to study this out, folks. Yeah. You can't just in one reading think you have it. No, no. This is, this is going to take 
Don't, doesn't your spirit want to be a guardian of the threshold? Jesus comes to the door and knocks. We have to ask ourselves some questions. Where's the guardian of the threshold? If he's knocking, why doesn't somebody open the door? First of all, why is the door locked? Listen, you ready for this? At the sound of the trumpet, I, uh, Revelation 4.1, I heard the sound of a war trumpet, and I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the voice was saying, come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after these things. And immediately, immediately I was in the spirit, John says. We are the guardians of that experience. We are the guardians of that threshold. We are the guardians of that entry place. Hallelujah! Glory to God! And I don't want to come back in religion. I like it here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, it's great. <laughs> you know, we're, we're guardians of this place. You say, well, okay. Come on, get it. The church is the gate. Each church has its own angel and own lampstand over it. We're Bethel, the house of God. What is the house of God? It's a house? No. It's a place where the angels' ladders went up and down. Jacob saw the angels descending and descending. What? He said, this is the very gate of heaven. Remember he said that? This is the very gate of heaven. Okay. But why did he call it the house of God? There's no house there. He didn't see a physical house. He just saw a gate. Why? Because he understood that the word house in Hebrew, bait, is your whole existence. It's where you live. Come on. It's where everything happens. Your whole life is determined by the what? Come on. It's not, oh, he's from he looks just like his father. Yeah, I can tell he's from the house of David. Why do they say the house of David? It means the whole existence, everything. Holistic view, Hebraic. Oh, remata, kiting in the, oh, oh. And so he calls it the house of God. So listen, when he comes back from serving his father-in-law, he's got two wives, okay, and all these two tribes, really, walking with him through the desert. And he gets to, to that river who meets him. Either Jesus or the angel of the Lord, we don't know what, but it's an angel and they wrestled all night. Right? Come on, folks. Go with me. Come on, Genesis. Come on, you got to see it so we can maximize being guardians of the threshold, the doorway of God for the people. That's the job of the priest. And God doesn't like it when the doors of worship are closed. Genesis chapter 2, 8, and verse 16. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord God is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid. That's when you know you're a guardian of the threshold is that you are sober 
and the fear of the Lord. As we heard the prophecy earlier, coming back. He said, how awesome is this place. This is the days of awe. People come to meetings looking for crowds and nice music. We have come, but this is the awe because God is in this place. And he's opening up to his mysteries of the kingdom. This is none other than the house of God. Wait a minute, he didn't see any house. Come on, let's start thinking Hebraic. He didn't see any house, did he? Hello? Is there any mention of a house here? Look at verse 12. Is there any? No, all he sees is a ladder and people going up and down it. Supernatural beings, angels. He said, this is the house of God. What else does he call it? The gate of heaven. I wish I knew these things when I was your age. We need some 16-year-old Josiahs. Now, go back to chapter 35 now. He's coming back to Israel. And God changes his name. Why? Because he contended with God and won. In chapter 35, what does he do as a gatekeeper, a guardian of the threshold? Then God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and live there and make an altar there. Now, let me stop real quick. There's a satellite map of Israel, okay, that if you look at it and there is, you'll see the city, Bethel, okay, Right next to Bethel, which is just outside the city, okay, is the ravines, the gullies where they wash out over the centuries. You can't see it from an airplane, but from a satellite you can see it. There's the word in Hebrew. The gullies are the perfect four letters Hebrew word of Yahweh. So the angels are coming in. They're going up and down, but right there is the name of Yahweh. That's the gate of God. Even the very land shows it. You've got to go to Israel, folks, I'm telling you. I mean, I have to tell you. Just believe God. He'll give you the money, honey. At the very place where the 12 spies went in the promised land, okay, the ascent of Z's, we've been there, okay? They would not go in during the day because they would have been recognized as Israelites. Come on, remember? Two of them had to hide at Jericho, right? Remember that? They would go at night. When dusk is setting in Israel, and when they went up into the promised land to spy it out, they went up the ascent of Z's. We went to that ascent in the evening at the dusk to as a prophetic sign to us of going into the promised land, 18 pastors and ministers with us, okay? As the sun is setting, the very side of the hill, you can see a hand about a thousand feet tall. A hand, looks like the hand of God in the side of the mountain. On the very path they went up to go into the promised land and spy it out. 
And that's why God, one reason he got so upset at them, because Joshua and Caleb understood. Come on, folks. You got to see it. And God told us as guardians of the threshold to blow the shofar for the gates of heaven to open and send rain again. And three weeks later, the greatest amount of rainfall ever in Israel's modern history fell. It fell so much that winter that today the Sea of Galilee, there's still overflowing. And the drought ended in Israel. We're gatekeepers of the threshold. We're guardians of heaven opening up in people's lives. Amen, you're getting it, sweetie. Why aren't you all getting it? You thinking about what kind of pizza you want? No, you're getting it. You're thinking. I can tell you're thinking. So look at this. Arise, go to Bethel, and live there. Isn't it crazy? He, his name won't even change to Israel, but he still calls himself Jacob. Come on, God does things in our lives, and we still don't get it sometimes. And why is he living, schlepping around with all these people somewhere else? He would have gone, sure, me? Well, I can say me. I don't know if I'd do it, but my desire would be, I want to go straight back where God's angels showed up. And listen, because God, I, I promised God many years ago, Lord, if you protect me, I'll give a tenth to you. And look at all these blessings you gave me. Why did he come back and live in Bethel? Because, folks, let me tell you something. Our flesh does not want to get near the gate of God. We'll worship an experience, but we won't live in the experience, though. And God says, get up. You want to rise as in Hebrew? Kumi, get up, you sluggard. Rise from the dead. Same word in, in, in Ephesians, Paul says. Get up and go to Bethel. You called it Bethel. What are you doing schlepping around here? I'm calling you to get back to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Come on, come on, folks. Verse 2. So Jacob said to his household and to all with him, put away your foreign gods, just like Josiah's revival. Come on, folks. Which are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. This is the first spot in Genesis this is mentioned. And this would have been the first spot probably when Josiah got back the word of the Lord, the law that had been hidden, and he started reading it, the first recollection, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. He just got the law back. They haven't read it. They're reading it. This is the first mention of getting idols and grounding them up in Genesis. Remember he said he got the Ashtaroth and the Baals and grounded up and scattered their dust and their ashes as far as where? Bethel! We just read it. Hallelujah! Put away your foreign gods among you. Purify them and change your garments. That's why you need to dress nicely to church. Come on, folks. Don't give me that look. God will give you money to go shopping. Come on, ladies, you'll like it. God gave me a revelation, okay? The priests were commanded to wear fine linen. Okay, I'm not talking about doing, a, doing a, you know, a fashion show at church. Okay, and wearing these big hats, and you strain your neck when you get home, but it's so heavy, wearing these big hats, all these feathers in it, you know? I'm talking about when you appear before God, you need to appear the same way you're about to appear before a president, okay? Or you, you appear before, uh, you go to a wedding, come on, folks. 
And if you don't have the money for it, ask God for it. He'll send money to you. Amen? I believe, I, I believe that we as the guardians of the threshold, the priest, amen? That there's a respect. Look at Jesse. Hallelujah. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good today. Verse 3, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I'll make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I go. So he gave to Jacob, they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had. Come on, look at this. This guy still has all these foreign gods. Even Josiah's day in the revival, they still had foreign gods. We need to go through churches and start removing the foreign gods. Idols. And the rings which are in their ears. I think we can do it. There's so many Christian men that have earrings and diamonds in their ears now. We could really finance a lot of world missions if we just get all those guys that give their all. It's a revival of paganism is what it is. The tattoos and earrings for men, it's all paganism. Tribal paganism. Okay? And as they journeyed, verse 5, there was a great terror upon the cities. Repetition's the mother of learning. This is what I see. I see judgment coming. It's a judgment that was prophesied before by the Jeremiah's and the Isaiah's. Because God's people have gone too far and the world itself or the civilization itself has gone too far into sin. Yet in the midst of that, it's going to be a Josiah type revival. It's going to be revival because they find the law again. The law that's been hidden by the Supreme Court in the nation. Come on. As a young 16-year-old is going to find the law. Eight-year-old actually he was. It's going to find, wait a minute. And none of the teachers in the public school system are going to find it. They thought they got rid of all the Bibles, okay? Come on, listen. All these lesbians that teach at school got rid of the Bible. Now we can put there in the history of religion section, we'll put Harry Potter there. And all that stuff. And though they know that in between the cracks fell a Gideon's Bible. <laughs> I'm just making this up to help you illustrate the sermon, okay? <laughs> and a little Josiah finds it and starts reading it and opens it up and notices the last time it was checked out was 1975. Pulls out the card. goes home and starts reading it. And a revival breaks out. Hallelujah. We're going to have a revival, a Josiah-type revival, as we base not on praise and worship, but on finding again the very word of life. People are going to be attracted to that. Hallelujah. Yet in the midst of that, God is raising up a remnant, and, but there's going to be judgment. 
Can you see it simply today? And the remnant are what? Those who not just receive the tithes and offerings or guardians of the threshold, okay? They're the ones who are the in-between between God's people to allow them to experience an open heaven from a, a gate of heaven. Come on. Because the gate of heaven is where the servants live. Come in. That's where they put their ears on the wall. Remember, was the last time I told you about the bond servants. And this is our house. Our house is his house. And if this house lays in ruins, your house is going to be laid in ruins, Haggai says. But not just offerings, not just counseling people. Our job as the keepers of the guardians of the threshold, hallelujah, is to let people experience the glory of God. And most people that are called to this realm and their full-time ministry do not let people have an open heaven experience. They may have had one before, okay, and they're blessed out of that. But God's telling everyone that's had a Bethel experience to get back to your Bethel. Change your garments. Get back there. And your name's not Jacob, it's Israel. So start calling yourself Israel. Selah. Shoko ma. Zephaniah. And it's this place, being a guardian at the threshold, that he rejoices over us with screaming shouts of joy. Hallelujah. And there... He soothes us in his quietness. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and if you go to a church or your favorite minister has an anointing and a blessing from God but is not living at his Bethel and is not a gatekeeper, a guardian of the threshold of the glory of God, a guardian, then you need to severely, you need to pack up and leave. Because when Bethel, when listen, listen, Jacob had an experience of an open heaven, the very gate of God, okay? And he, even when he came back with all the blessings, he still was not a guardian. When you're not a guardian of this place, you've got idols in your life. You're saying, what'd you learn in church today? The book of Zephaniah. <laughs> Well, that's Old Testament, brother. <laughs> you are not a guardian of the threshold, nor are you. <laughs> You're a hopper. You're a hopper. You hop over the threshold. You've been drinking too much hops. So when you're coming to church, you're coming to be a guardian of the threshold. God's cutting down what's not of him.
thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says if anybody would call upon your name, they would be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. Shalom, friends. This is Scott Holtz with Rivers in the Desert. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www. Dot flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom.